Welcome to Disruptive CEO Nation, where your host, Alison K. Summers, is searching the globe to introduce you to cutting-edge thinkers and entrepreneurs whose stories will inspire you to innovate your own business life. Having worked with and coached CEOs and senior leaders from over 90 countries, Alison is taking her own experiences to help today's CEOs and professionals meet the ever-changing demands of the future of work. Now, here's your host, Alison K. Summers. Well, welcome to Disruptive CEO Nation. Today, I have the honor to interview a rock star of entrepreneurs who is so generous with his knowledge that you need to know who he is. So over the course of 40 years, and I really don't mean to age my guest, but he has created six businesses in the tech space. So it's no wonder he's an expert in processes and efficient digital workflows for business. And he is going to tell us all about it. So please join me in welcoming Nicholas Kimla, founder and CEO of Pipeliner CRM. Nicholas, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you. Um, it's a pleasure to be on the show. Well, so first off, let's start with Pipeliner. So everybody knows, you know, all of the good things that you're building for businesses today. Yeah, well, thank you for inviting me and really speaking a little bit what we are doing. So it's a it's it's quite exciting what's going on. And first of all, I have to admit, our, I'm originally from Europe, from Austria, Vienna, and moved our, almost eight years ago uh, from Vienna to Los Angeles, where I live right now. And that was, in my age, quite a, a, an endeavor, as you can imagine, with over 50 uh, to immigrate really in the States. First of all, legally, with a lot of money, <laughs> just a joke. <laughs> <laughs> but but the point was, uh, it was quite uh, a challenge to start again uh, from ground zero and uh, to build the company again that we have done before. And uh, I think um, that was really, um, uh, I would say, uh, hard work and a lot what's going on right now is really amazing because our behind everything was a deeper cost and that was really driving you and that gives you also the power huh? and the endurance that you need uh, when when obstacles are coming. So Pipeliner right now is really amazing and I'm very much where you live in Chicago pretty much involved because um, we are uh, partnering since many years right now with Daniel Strunk, who is the managing director of the DePaul University. And so we have a lot of students that are using our system, and I'm really happy and glad um, uh, that we can partner in that. And so I want to dig in deeper to Pipeliner, but let's just roll, roll back and talk about the contrast of you know, what you just shared, where you're at today building businesses versus when you first you first started. It's my understanding that um, back in your early days in, in Vienna, you were one of the first in the country to mobilize around Apple products. Yes. Yeah. I, I was falling in love immediately when Apple came out. Uh, not only was there, if you remember the beautiful video that uh, Steve Jobs has done, uh, when uh, someone was with the hammer uh, ruining our uh, the monitor and, and people got uh, freedom. And that was really for me the signal. It was the freedom 
or it was the or, or turning something or a vision into reality uh, with a cause or to give creativity and and uh, I was immediately falling in love in that and I was working then for Apple um, I was helping or uh, to bring Apple computer to the university sector and we did a lot of conferences and I had really in the medical area uh, a lot of our uh, really good success stories where we brought the whole cardiology are uh, to Apple computers and anyhow so I was really deeply deeply influenced by Apple and that is uh, also seen today in our my product in Pipeliner because in Pipeliner we have really this aesthetic view and it comes not only out of the aesthetic um, that means the UI uh, is the most perfect designed uh, view in the CRM space it comes out of the deep knowledge that you need from a user perspective the perfect ui because that gives a better conversion rate adoption rate and people like that and i always say what you like you use yeah absolutely and i think you know when you think about workers and and how they interact and i know you have a lot of presentations and things you write on about i don't want to use the word fragmented but you know we're in business and you've got all of these different pieces and parts and we've had to try to get them all to work together and you've had APIs, I hate APIs. APIs are the bane of a business existence. Um, and, you know, general, uh, you know, you talk about general automation platforms. So, so how does a product like Pipeliner overcome all of those problems for business owners? Um, yeah, very fair and good question. Uh, first of all, I think um, the, the big change that I saw and are uh, in the first product that we brought to the, my developers and I brought to the market and are uh, we really were from the beginning to the end uh, designing and hosting and programming everything in that area of the product in the banking compliance area uh, was that I realized um, there is a big gap between when you normally have like what I had with Apple computers are, are, are showing even in Vienna the first are, uh, laptops are, and the first are beautiful Macs and all the other stuff that came later on. I have not seen a lot of people coming back to Apple and brought the product back and said it sucks. It, I don't like it. <laughs> but when I spoke and interviewed a lot of salespeople, at that time before I started, I realized so many salespeople say they hate CRM. And that was for me a business idea because I said, uh, when a whole industry needs a product and almost every person who should use the product says, I don't like it, yeah, there must be a problem. And so I was going really deep into this and ask myself, what is the issue? What is the cause why people don't like it? And I realized there is three areas. The one is, uh, first of all, the approach that people have done. The approach was top down. Management wants to do and get something out of it. Mm -hmm. And the problem is the user was left out at the beginning of CRM. Management needs what? Reports. And so all the system were made top down approach. It was not the user in mind at the beginning of the CRM. It was not the sales rep. So the rep was, uh, first of all, totally against it to put his data in because he didn't, it, it, no value was for him. There were no benefits for him. Okay, this has changed over the years. The second thing was that salespeople in itself uh, were seeing a little bit of fear. If I give my data away, then I am obsolete. 
I am can be replaced if I give everything away. And the, the salespeople have not realized that the intangible things are more important than the tangible things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so this is one of the core things that we immediately put into the product, the buying center, who is in the, in the, in the buying center responsible or um, the relationship mapping or the org chart, all the tangible and intangible things should go together. And the third thing was salespeople need something or in the area to steer their responsibility. Nothing is more for a salesperson or for this whole, um, I would say, um, workforce, more uh, punishing. If you sit in the room and the manager comes in and he shows you data and you have not seen the data and he tells you what you all do wrong. So we No, that never happens, has it? <laughs> oh, it happens every day. And and you see, this is the this is the, the, the our whole system, our whole education system is wrong, in my opinion, in that area. The more you bring transparency, the more you bring more or less everything to the user to steer self-responsibility. But with self-responsibility comes also the other side, the freedom. So it's a coin. You need mm -hmm. freedom and self-responsibility. And so we did that. And that was for me then the beginning that I said, okay, uh, I, can, I can compete. I, I, I tried to go and, and build something up. And that gave me, our, I would say, the boldness. Yeah, I was over 50 to leave our Vienna behind because most people at that time are thinking already on retirement and not <laughs> starting again. I can't imagine that ever being you. Um, I do love the, the part about the relationship mapping because I think so often people spin their wheels, businesses spin their wheels because they're not uh, documenting or, or thinking that through, you know, who Absolutely. all of those internal Absolutely. stakeholders are. Not only that, you see, the, 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 uh, uh, we address to what we do, especially with our content platform, SalesPub, really the big uh, area of sales international worldwide. And I, I realized, and I was not knowing that at the beginning, I have to admit, our, our, I realized that uh, the sales force is really hundreds of millions around the world. Our, our, but the mindset of most salespeople is still like what our, in the old days Arthur Miller was doing on the desk of the salesperson. It's <laughs> negative. And the mindset of, the, of society is also negative. It's about pushy, arrogant, greedy. Yeah? It's not positive. All the movies that we see, even we like some of them, yeah? where we see Alec Baldwin or whatever, they are not nice people. We like the movies, but we say, hey, they're awful people. Yeah? Um, they're, they're arrogant. They're pushy. Yeah? But salespeople are exactly the opposite. They are giving the middle class the strengths because they are creating what? They are creating wealth. Without, or without sales, no company could exist. And still, we don't like these people. <laughs> so something is wrong. <laughs> well, you know, I was talking with, with somebody earlier today about the fact um, I'm a big proponent for um, building your connections and your influence and uh, networking with selfish, selfishness in mind. But, and I actually was saying that the if you can truly value your vendors and, and salespeople, they know more about what's going on than you would realize. And so I'm constantly asking because, you know, my auditor that takes care of my books 
is taking care of other similar businesses books and can tell me trends. And so, yeah, you've got to value those people in your network, no matter what role they're in, because we're all just trying to do our jobs. So absolutely, absolutely. So we have this big group of people that we are addressing with this big vision about changing their perception on salespeople. Yeah? But at the end of the day, the product that I created is not for everyone. It's really in the B2B area. It is really our uh, uh, complex sales. It is our process sales. So when there is a process and you have really a sales process and it's not transactional. Yeah? So there mm-hmm. is the beauty where our product comes. But so we, we knew that mainly there is m- people not singular selling to something, there is teams. And when you sell in a team, there is the intangible things more important than the tangible. What I mean by that, for instance, when you have a team of three, four people, and I have that experience really often in my life, and I was selling big stuff or really millions of contracts. And so mm-hmm. the point is, sometimes you have uh, the person that helps you. Yeah, that, that is their supporter. Then you have maybe the person who is the naysayer. Yeah, mm-hmm. then you have maybe the person who is the budget holder. And then there is maybe another person. Yeah, and so you build the buying center and you visualize the data, the strengths between these people because you have to win the deal. You have maybe to influence some of these people in a positive way, not manipulative, but you know, have to know. Otherwise, you lose the deal. So when you cannot convince the naysayer and you don't know that, you see that not visual, how it is, how you could win a deal when it's complex. So there is this room uh, of really uh, influencing and that is totally um, in, in the area intangible, but it has to be tangible in that area that you visualize it. Then it helps you and secures your deal. That is just one example. Yeah. And in my opinion, our, the future is anyhow, the future is anyhow, as I said many times, um, is, is a recommendation. Because when you are recommended to someone, that's the currency of the future. The currency is really recommendation because um, you have immediately a bonus when someone recommends yeah. you. <laughs> and we all looking for that because the world is so complex. So we look constantly for this intangible stuff, not tangible. Yeah. yeah well, and you talk about the, that we are a society of complexity and I, I think that's, you know, so, so true. And, and let's, if you could just share a little of your knowledge and wisdom, because you do watch a lot of trends and what's going to be happening um, in business. And so what are the, some of the things that you're talking about or watching today? Yeah. Well, our, I, I feel what's going on right now our, in the healthcare sector is a very good our, um, reflection of our, our idea of the progressive ideas that we have. And that is showing and it will be. Look at the coronavirus that is going on around the world. So we are really affected worldwide right now as never before global uh, with this virus. Uh, I strongly believe uh, we all know we have to change. We all know we have to change our approach to many things in life. If we do the same today or if the Indians um, in, in, in India would do the same as the Americans do 
and one and a half billion people would really start the same lifestyle, we would be all dead. So we have to change something. Why? Because it's not working. Yeah. So mm -hmm. what, would, what is the change? The change is, in my opinion, more and more people are like what we do now. We are going over the wire. I'm not flying to Chicago. Are you not flying right now to Los Angeles? Um, uh, we have a, a stream. Uh, and you're an expert in that, what you do, and I'm an expert where what I do. So I'm looking around the world, where are the experts? It doesn't mean where they any longer live. Through that, the commute, the commute, what we are right now experiencing this call is, we have no airfares, we have no, uh, we are green, yeah, if you want that, yeah. Mm -hmm. And we definitely cannot be affected, yeah. So I think our, we will see one trend. This is right now coming like... Um, a tsunami. I see platforms like Upwork and other are growing like rapidly. Why? Because people go to these platforms and offering the service. You can, if you're really an expert, you can live wherever you want today. Maybe you mm -hmm. want to be an island. The only thing that you have to take care of is internet connectivity. <laughs> this is really the only thing that you need. But well, hey, I'm going to introduce you to my friend Skylar Ditchfield at uh, Geolinks because that's what they do, and they do it in California. Is perfect. Um, yeah, perfect. yeah, is they put connect connectivity everywhere. So, um, when whatever you want to do in your life, you have to be very good in what you do. But it's interesting that the world is always looking right now for experts. We have in our company. Uh, really, I, I'm not counting any longer how many people work for us because there is so many that work for different areas. We have a guy, real story, an unbelievable story. We have a guy who works for us for backlinking. He's an expert only in backlinking. Yeah? Uh, you have to be an expert in that. He lives in Bangladesh, and in his town, he's the best paid person. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And I think... Um you know, this, this concept of, of being, um, you know, experts, deep experts is, is going to keep rising to the top. I want to, I want to jump back to Pipeliner though, in the, in the time that we've, we've got left. Um, can you, can you tell us what it was like, how you went about building your first teams um, to develop Pipeliner? Because today, if, and I encourage everybody to take a look at PipelinerSales.com, um, you know, today it's a, a highly built out, I can use it on mobile, I can use it in so many different ways, but back when you were very, very first building it, what were those initial steps you took with it? Um, first of all, our, when we created the product, we really developed, we were interviewing a lot of people and we were going and we really uh, made a lot of market research before we were entering and then uh, it was really step by step. So it, it, it is a long uh, endeavor. It's not something that you can do overnight. And the first thing that I did when I entered the US was not building a sales team, it was a content team. I knew that the future lies in content and this is why we became or we are right now in our industry, I'm just saying in our industry, the biggest content platform, when you go to LinkedIn and you go to Pipeliner, you will see we have about at least three new individual content pieces every day. Uh, we have so many uh, content are as no one has in experts of sales experts, but we help others. And so that was the first layer to, to do that because I had to come up with a different strategy uh, against my competitors that it's smart and not burning cash like crazy. 
because mm -hmm. you need brand awareness. Then definitely the next layer was to find people that are coming from the industry and they're smart and they can uh, position with yourself the product and selling the product. And so it was, um, it was an incrementally step like uh, what we do in our methodology in the product in Scrum. It was iteration after iteration after iteration. And you have to be patient because there is many obstacles and you have to have the bigger picture in mind, otherwise you give up. And our, I think um, when you have then good customers, you have to listen to your customers and really helping the customers to give an extra value to the, to the users. When the user is seeing the value that you bring and he sees that you work on the value. So it's not one time, it's a constant refurbishing on that. I always take an example on that. Um, you can have the best experience or in the world with traveling. You can have the check-in, the flight, the stewardess. Sometimes in the U.S. it's a little bit of a problem with some airlines there when you're on the board. But anyhow, uh, but when you at the end and waiting for your luggage for one hour, what is your experience? It's terrible. And you say, well, it was not a good flight. Why? Because the people, we as humans, see it as a whole. We see not one part. We not say one part was good and the rest was bad. No, we see it as a whole. And so you have to work on this customer experience. I think that's a great example. Um, early in my career, I was in the trade show industry. And if you've uh, exhibited at trade shows, which you probably have and most of my entrepreneurs have, sure. um, if you've had a great trade show, and had sales, you could care less that you've just paid $60 for a trash can in your booth. But if you had anything that was kind of off, everything, you know, that negative experience amplifies the rest of the experiences. Exactly. And maybe, maybe things that didn't bother your customer are suddenly picking at every, everything. And so I, I think those are really good analogies. Yeah, you... you we are very uh, judgmental in many ways as human beings. And the point is, uh, we have to think uh, that uh, the customer is first time in history. That's the deep, deep change as ever before. Think with me uh, as, as, as my point in that area as an example. It's not too long ago. It's only maybe 150 or 200 years ago. And this was going over thousands of years, thousands of years. Um, the king was the center of everything. The king or the dictator or however you call. And we said always, um, treat the customer like a king. It was never there. Everybody was working for the king over thousands of years. Today, really, the customer is in the center. Go to a restaurant. If you're not treated well, why you should go there once again? So this change is amazing of society, what we have experienced in the last hundred years. Because today, really, the customer is, uh, is, is the factor. Because if you don't buy the product, a company can be out. If people would be more responsible, if they say they don't like child work, for instance, let's say that, yeah? Mm -hmm. They, out of an ethical right approach, in my opinion, that I uh, that totally support, that our children should not work, they should play and should learn and should be taught and should be cared and coached, yeah? So when, when, when we realize that this company is using children that they are working, well, it's only the responsibility of millions of customers to say, I'm not buying any longer the product, and the company's out. So this power, 150 years ago, nobody had. Well, what, what the king would do? 
you would, you would put you in prison. Well, I also think you've just described the problem of CEOs leading companies, many companies today. <laughs> um, so I, I want to make a comment because you've talked about content and how much you've, you've built these experts. And I do know that you have um, a lot of content on LinkedIn and you also have salespop.net. And so I would encourage our listeners to go take a look there because there's a lot of um, great resources um, for people to take a listen to and some presentations of your own. And in this last bit of time we have left, if you had wisdom for, uh, for young entrepreneurs who are building companies today um, or any insight into hard lessons learned, what would be your words of caution for them as they're building their businesses? And you already shared some great wisdom, so you can't share what you've already said about doing a lot of research and customer conversations and building content. Come up with something different that would be your wisdom for um, entrepreneurs today. You, you have to find a cause. If you really find a cause and you believe in the cause, uh, you, you, you should uh, make it a wish for you. And then you should start dreaming and dreaming big, bigger than you can imagine. And be bold on that. And don't listen, as Arnold Schwarzenegger, that I really admire for that, always said, don't be, listen to the naysayer. Because there will be always naysayers around you. And then when you work hard, and that comes not easy, but when you believe it is the internal power, it's the battery that you have internally, it's your vision, then hang on on the vision, and the power will always be, be refilled. It's like an internal gas station in yourself when you reconnect with your vision because the obstacles are there and then you have the power to overcome that and this power when you straightforward believe in that what you do other people one day will listen when it's a real cause when it's a phony cause then it can collapse so you have to find out and what is a cause a cause is to make something better to help this world to get better <laughs> It could be a service, it could be a product, it could be whatever. Yeah, You have to find it. And this is very individual because there are billions of causes out there. Come on. <laughs> well, you're enjoyable to speak with. And um, if our listeners want to find out more, um, where can they go to connect to you or connect to your company? Our, the best is really on our uh, uh, com or salespop.net or go to LinkedIn and our, you will see and follow us. Our, it's a magic thing what's happening right now. We are growing per week by thousands, by thousands. Yeah. Well, again, I would wish you luck, but I don't need to. Um, your, your, your organization is, is doing great things. And again, I just encourage our listeners to also go take a look at sales pop and, and get some of that content. Um, I'm a big believer that the way that we're going to solve our problems in the future is building your own personal data center of great people that you can rely on. And so I'm happy to officially have you now in, um, in my network. And so thank you so much. I appreciated this conversation. For our audience, if you know of a great disruptive CEO who's doing something innovative in technology or disrupting a um, market chain, please email me at connect at allisonksummers.com. Until then, keep your eye on the future. Nicholas, thank you again. Thank you. Thank you. 
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.